Welcome to the first episode of Running East to West, a podcast following the National Football League. My name is Max. My name is John. Um, so like I said, this is our first episode, um, but John and I have been talking football probably for years. I know back all the way to college, we've been having debates about um, our <laughs> teams respectively. So um, yeah, it's kind of been a, yeah, it's, it's been a long time running. Um, we, we've kind of dabbled in a little bit. We have another podcast um, called The Alpha Build, and, and we, we talked about it a little bit at the end, but it didn't really fit with the, the subject matter at the time. And so we, we put it on the back burner, but um, we've decided to kind of jump right into it. Um, John, why don't you just kind of give all of our listeners, <laughs> whoever we do end up having for the first episode, <laughs> um, just a, you know, a little bit of background on yourself and, and um, you know, who your team is and, and kind of just any other info we should know. Well, um, I am a resident in Utah, so I don't have any local team, unfortunately. So I'm kind of a, a free agent in that terms. But uh, I, as a kid, picked the Patriots as my team before <laughs> they were good. I will have you know, um, <laughs> not a bandwagoner. Um, I've loved football essentially forever. I played it. Uh, as a kid for five or six years. Um, I've always always loved it. The more I learn about it, the more I love it. Um, I think it's really the pinnacle of sports. Um, the combination of strategy and athleticism and just all the crazy things that go into it and come out of it are just incredible. And as as you said, I mean, we've been talking about it forever. We, <laughs> If we just decided to record it, we could have had a podcast for years now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we could have been ahead of the curve. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's kind of me and football in a nutshell there. Awesome. Yeah, and and for my part, um kind of same. I've been playing football as as long as I can remember, you know, back, you know, peewee football when we didn't know any of the rules or anything like that. Um I actually grew up in Seattle, so I'm a, a Seattle Seahawks fan. Um so <laughs> through birth and through through geography um although i'm, I'm sort of an expat and I, I live out in on the east coast now um so it's a little bit it's always a little bittersweet because it's so far from kind of the the mecca so to speak um <laughs> like like you I, I i love the strategy and the combine uh, combined with the athleticism that you see in football um i think i've read some books um the smart football series um and you you kind of realize just how much you don't realize when you're watching TV. Um, the the author kind of goes into some of the the stuff that like Bill Belichick and and Bill Walsh and and some of these these greats talk about and and realize when they're playing football. And you just sit there and you're like, why don't you just run the fo- the touchdown play? Um, <laughs> so yeah, and like you played as a kid, um, and you know ended up stopping when I was getting injured all the time so um, <laughs> kind of moved to a casual viewer but then um, in, in recent years I've gotten more invested in, in uh, the draft and just really trying to understand um, kind of more than just what uh, the talking heads tell us so um, hopefully we can ho- hopefully our knowledge is enough to, to interest viewers um, or listeners I guess um, <laughs> but yeah um, just a little before we kind of dive in, um, a little bit of the the inside joke there with the the name is um, I'm an NFC West fan, you're an AFC East fan, and yet <laughs> I'm on the East Coast, you're out in the West, um, and then it's a fun little pun on the the old he's a he's running north and south, um, 
so running east to west that's if anyone's wondering um <laughs> and you get all credit for that that was all you yeah we, we had a lot of different names that were bouncing back and forth um not many we were going, of them good no we were going the full pun route um so we didn't we kind of had some limited options there but uh but yeah, um, I, I mean, I guess we'll just dive right in. Um, so this week we're going to be talking about the NFC and AFC championship games. Um, next week's episode will be fully solely focused on uh, the Super Bowl, which I know John will be more than happy to take part in. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess we'll dive right in. Um, NFC championship, the number two seed Falcons hosting a home game against the uh, number five, four seed um green bay packers um and so the, unfortunately you didn't get to see all of this game right no i i went out to like run some errands and then just kind of one thing after another and then i look at my watch and it's like three forty-five, and i'm like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> i guess i'll go catch the tail end of it yeah um, so i saw the replays though and listen to your kind of play-by-play on our chat <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I was um, a friend of ours who, who's also with us on the other podcast. Um, he's sort of a he's like an adopted Falcons fan. Um, he spent yeah. a few years in Atlanta um, for some some missionary work, and um, I guess kind of grew an attachment to the team. So he's he's a hodgepodge. He's a Jazz fan. Um, he was a Falcons fan who lives technically in Seahawks territory. Um, so he's kind of. All over the place but yeah we were talking about it on our, our messenger app um long story short you didn't miss much <laughs> <laughs> seemed that way yeah it it um i think a lot of us went in expecting a high powered or high powered offenses to just kind of go off on each other um i don't i didn't look at the spread in advance which i kind of um i regret now um it was falcons by six and a half i think did you did you hear what the over under was or uh i don't remember no uh it's probably had to be north of 40 um probably yeah and, and so we i think we all went in expecting a lot of points to be scored and one team lived up to their side of the bargain <laughs> uh, yeah the falcons ended up putting up um 44 points um, and it was yeah and it wasn't even all garbage time um either they they kind of were pretty pretty consistent through all the 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 four quarters there um yeah, wasn't it like 31 by the first like five minutes of the third or something like that yeah it was yeah they were up 24 to zero um by halftime Jeez. and you know that they, they they put up so i think yeah so if we jump to halftime the the packers they deferred um so they received the kickoff in halftime and they were down 24-0 until right before the half um they were down 17-0 and it was like they need to hold and and not allow the falcons to score because they're gonna you know, it was gonna kind of put the game out of reach and and that's what the falcons did put it up 24-0 and so then the packers came out and immediately went three and out Jeez. Uh, yeah and so you're just like oh jeez. And, and it was, like, an awful three now, too. I think it was, like, three passes, three different drops. Um, it was, a, it was like, an out route to Jared Cook, Jordy Nelson, and then Christian Michael. And so it was just it just didn't go well. Um, and 
then I think like it was either the next play or like two plays later, the Falcons scored a, a 70 yard touchdown um, to Julio Jones. And at that point it was just sort of, yeah, it was 31 zero. <laughs> it was just, it was over <laughs> pack it in. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, so, so two weeks ago I actually went down um, to watch the Seahawks play there and, and I went in not expecting much. Um, I mean, that's not, that's not accurate. I, I wasn't expecting a win. Um, home field advantage. Seattle was pretty banged up, especially in the back end. Um, and I was able to see firsthand just how overpowering that Falcons offense can be. It, there's like four different guys running different routes. The defense is just completely confused. And Matt Ryan just sits back there behind that offensive line and just picks you apart. Jeez. Yeah, and and that was against a very very good defense. Um, granted, they didn't have Roll Thomas at the time, but still you, one of the better in the league by far. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you've still got you've still got Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, uh, Bobby Wagner, um, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman. Like like that's still a very very good defense, even though they they fell off when Earl Thomas um, was injured a few weeks ago, and. They had they struggled mightily. I mean, you, you look at the score and it was something like thirty to I don't know seventeen or whatever. And so Green Bay's only option was for them to go in and basically go blow for blow and like just hope they had the last possession. And mm. it didn't work out that way. And and I think you you saw in this game you've kind of seen it over the past few weeks, but I think particularly in this game that that the Falcons actually have a really good defense. Like, I mean, everyone's going to be pointing out their offense, rightfully so. I think I, I mean, they were basically one of the most prolific offenses in NFL history. And now they've gone in and, and we're just pretty much stonewalling Aaron Rodgers for at one half. And then kind of got soft a little bit in the end, but even then they only gave up 21 points to Aaron Rodgers. That's a pretty good day. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, I mean, I didn't see enough of it to have too good of a, a grasp. But was it more of like the Packers just came out and fell flat, or was it just the defense was overwhelming, or or kind of in between, or how did that pound out exactly? I mean, that's that's a really good question because you know it comes to because it's sort of like a variation on that, like did they win or did or did we lose sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um. I would have to say, I, I I would give credit to the the Falcons defense. Um, they they had some interesting blitzes. I think it was um, I think it was particularly in the second half. They started running this um, this corner blitz off off the edge, obviously, and it was just <laughs> it was just rocking Aaron Rodgers on these plays, and he would get up and he was just pissed. And he was yelling at the Jeez. refs and, and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> and I, I feel like he's that's one of those things where if you have Aaron Rodgers yelling at a ref, then you're in a good situation. <laughs> yeah. He's and, usually pretty contrite. Yeah. And, um, you know, Jordy Nelson, obviously Jordy Nelson was, was significantly injured with the, the ribs. And you could tell, like, whatever drugs he took before the game, like, they were wearing off near the end. Because, like, he was <laughs> – at the beginning, he actually had some pretty – pretty big catches and was like okay he looks normal and then as the game went on um but like you know ty montgomery has been sort of a i hate revelation sounds stupid but i think he 
he has looked like a very very solid running back option and like he was basically he was irrelevant he had um he had 17 yards i think um aaron Rodgers had more yards than ty montgomery um wow and you know the um their fullback uh ripkowski he actually had a really really good run early on in the game and i think it was a big turning point and he was probably about 10 yards away from the goal line when he got stripped falcons got the ball it was kind of a really confusing play because like a third of twitter was saying oh it should be down at the one another third was saying oh it's a safety and then another third saying no it's a touchback just because of like the falcons player got the ball rolled into the end zone and like then was touched and i think a lot of people made the assumption that because it looked like he was he voluntarily rolled in that he was it wasn't just like momentum that took him in. I don't know. Dean Blandino's explanation wasn't that great in my opinion. It, it was something like his leg was touching the line and so like this, and then people were saying, "Why in this situation is the leg important?" Whereas, you know, like a touchdown, um, as a lot of Seahawks fans know, the helmet <laughs> touching the goal line does not count as a touchdown. You need the ball over. Um, so what did they end up calling that? Sorry if you already mentioned it. No, yeah, so it ended up being a, a touchback is basically they were saying, like, because he rolled back and, like, his leg was touching the line, he was – it was a touchback. So it was a – Weird. This was a huge swing. So it was a, a, basically a 10-yard a net loss, and they lost possession and probably would have walked away with at least three, if not more, because they'd been kind of driving up the field. So, mm-hmm. so long story short, they basically had no running game, and the passing game was pretty mediocre. I mean, I think Rodgers was at about 50% and under 300 yards. Um, which is which, a bad day for Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, when you compare it to, to Ryan, he was at he was basically at 400 yards. Um a little bit, 27 for 38, uh, so just just under 75% there. Um, Not shabby. Yeah, yeah, so it's just, so I think that, I th- to get back to your original question, I think it was a combination of both, but I just think the Falcons' defense is a lot better than people think. I mean, they've got some real playmakers, like Beasley, Keanu Neal, um, Rashid Hagerman. Hagerman? I think Hageman? it's Hagerman, Hageman, I, but I don't know. That guy. Um <laughs> In the middle, he was causing some problems. Uh, so I think that they're a lot better. They're just overshadowed by a generational offensive team, basically. Yeah, which is not saying a lot. Um, I mean, if being overshadowed by Julio Jones is um, pretty much yeah. everyone in the league gets overshadowed by him. Yeah, and oh my God. And, and you know, he just... Watching him, I think we commented that he is, like, the epitome of what, like, human evolution will be. <laughs> and and I know we probably won't talk – I don't want to talk too much about the Super Bowl, but I was sitting there thinking, I was like, there really aren't any guys in the league that can cover him consistently. Because you, you look at him, he's, like, 6'4", or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's he's well over 200 pounds. But he can run a four three. It, it's, it's insane. Uh, yeah, so you just sit there and you're like, who, you know, if you think about from the size perspective, 
you know, a Richard Sherman has him there, you know, about the same height, but he's smaller, like weight wise. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, but he's not as fast as him. And those faster corners, like a, a Josh Norman, he's not big enough. Yeah, he's got Julio has fifty pounds on the guy. Yeah, and like, and you see, like, they're on the the basically the the second half, effectively opening touchdown that he scored. He was throwing guys off of him. <laughs> I saw that <laughs> replay many times. That was ridiculous. Yeah, like a guy would come up, and I don't, I don't know who it was. If it was um, uh, one of the the safeties, if it was Hyde or. or um, Demarius Randall, whoever, like came up and like tried to like grab him and like got yeah got his arms around him. and then Julio Jones just pushes him back away. <laughs> <laughs> and he was doing all this with turf toe. Was he? Yeah. I didn't know about his injury. Jeez. Yeah. Dude, I so. I didn't get to see this game in full, but that replay as well as other Falcon games I watched throughout the year, like it just looks like Julio's. It almost looks like a father playing with their sons, and they're trying to <laughs> tackle him, and he's just like, oh, yeah, you almost got me. Like, oh, cool. <laughs> and the, like yeah, the dad, does, the dad doesn't know how to, like, hold back a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. He's insane. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, it's just, you know, and he had other catches. There was one, I don't know if you saw it, like, it was kind of, like, deep middle where he, like, caught it, and was being hit as he got caught and then got hit and like was flipping through the air. I did not see that. Yeah, and he get and he catches it and gets up and he's just like whatever. Like <laughs> like how do you do that? Another day in the office. Yeah. So it's just I mean, yeah, he'll definitely be something I'm excited to talk to you about in the next episode. But yeah, like just watching him yesterday, nine receptions, 180 yards, two touchdowns and I know that there happened to be someone else who had the exact same stat line. A <laughs> um, little less pedigree there. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe a bit. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was just, it was incredible watching him. And, and even that, like, Mohamed Sanu, he had some pretty significant catches. Um, it seemed like always on third down, too. Um, I would have loved to have seen the stats on how many of his, he had five catches for 52 yards. Like, how many of those ended up going for third downs because it felt like he converted a lot um well not even third down because they rarely are ever in third down but like mm-hmm. got a new set of downs i guess is the better way of putting it move the sticks yeah so and that's nothing to say about their running game too which is i think underrated um well i was look i was just looking at that way i've been talking i was looking at the stats and devonta freeman is one of the better backs in the league and i think tevin coleman is severely underrated but they didn't do very much i mean freeman uh, was 14 for 42 a three yard average and coleman out a 2.6 yard average um was they like was the packers rundy just stuffing them or what was going on there well, I, I think this is probably one of those where I feel like the box score might be lying a little bit, um, mm. just because they also, Devonta Freeman had 42 yards receiving, and Tevin Coleman had 35 yards receiving, so that, both of them had basically had a 10-yard clip. Um, and so I think what they did a lot was the rushes weren't great, um, and... I, 
I'd have to to go back and remember. I think you know some of them were near the end of the game, just kind of running up the middle to just kind of burn off clock. Um, but really, there was just no. There's really no reason for them to run. The Packers secondary was just so bad that I think. I'm trying to think of how many guys. They went in. They came into the game already banged up, and I they lost Hyde, who they on the broadcast they said he literally played every position in the secondary. Jeez. Um, they have Ha Ha Clinton Dix, but he's a safety, and he was basically covering Julio's side the whole time. And um, Gunter, one of the the Packers um, cornerbacks, he was just getting abused, and. And Demarius Randall also, like they literally couldn't figure out how to defend them. Like they were running the wrong routes. Like there was one play I remember where Julio Jones is running up, and and I think it was Randall, um, or it may have been Gunter. They both played so poorly, and basically um, the Packers DB was like had like inside leverage, so he was protecting the inside. Well, Julio just ran outside, while the Packers DB hooked inside. Like they they split at the exact same point. <laughs> wow. And and Julio catches it and like the safety's like ah and he comes running over trying to get him. So <laughs> I I think um I mean it, it was okay I guess the Packers run defense but I don't I don't know if we ever got like a good sense of it just because the Falcons basically didn't didn't really try it too much they didn't need to. Mm-hmm. Jeez, that's crazy. I I was not expecting it to to be a blowout. Uh, while my fiance and out were out and about during the day, I'd occasionally pull out and uh, pull out my phone and check the score and check your chat. And I'm like, that's not right. Twenty four to zero. <laughs> like, uh, no, they're playing the Packers that you know throw up points. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has the hail mary is just a regular thing now, essentially. Um, that's insane. Like I was expecting a close match, and I honestly thought the Packers might pull it out and pull up the upset on the road, but they just got destroyed from what you said and what I've seen. Yeah, I mean, that's really the only way. It was just a complete and utter dismantling. It just... And, I mean, there there was some luck. There was quite a few... Like, there was a deep pass that Rodgers threw that was intercepted, and Ryan kind of threw up the same throw, and the Packers couldn't get an interception. There was, like, two or three fumbles, I think, and um, Falcons recovered every single one of them wow. for their own and, and the one that they forced on Rakowski. So it's just, you know, it's one of those things where... And, and there was the same feeling with when I was watching the Seahawks play that there was, there was a couple times where it was like... You know, like, they were a quarter of a second too late. And, like, what should have been a pick six was nothing, and they missed it. And it's just, like, you just felt like, oh, my God, like, you just needed a break. That's, like, all you felt like the Packers needed early on, and it just never came around. Wow. And, yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like like you were saying, I, I wasn't expecting this sort of a dismantling. Um, I thought it was going to be a high-scoring but close game. That, mm-hmm. um, especially when, um, you know, heard Nelson was going to be playing, but yeah, it just never, just never materialized, and definitely did not look like the Rodgers 
Rogers himself, actually, I think he was doing a lot of his, like, normal tricks because he was kind of, like, you know, see him running around outside the pocket and kind of doing that stuff that, like, every like frustrates people so much because you're like, oh, mm. just sack him, and, like, he escapes. <laughs> and, like, you just didn't – it just didn't end the way that you're used to seeing it, so. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. It sucks that it wasn't a better game, but that was uh... – heck of a turnout for falcons fans <laughs> yeah yeah they deserved it. i mean they were they were fun they were fun to watch the game with and and by all accounts it, it you know i'm a dan quinn fan and and i think uh i'm glad to see them get in it's it's a uh, i was much happier to see them than the prospect of another um another packers super bowl appearance here here <laughs> all right but enough of me talking um we have a, there was another game yesterday, <laughs> AFC Championship up in uh, Massachusetts. Some Foxborough. Yep, some quarterback name. Um, Tim Brody, I think. Tim Brody, yeah, yeah, and then uh, a, a no-name coach named uh, William Belichick. Um, but, mm. but yeah, why don't you um, why don't you kind of walk us through last night's um, AFC Championship game as a, as our resident Patriots fan. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, so, it, uh, I mean, it was a closer game than the score shows it. So, New England ended up coming out and uh, winning 36-17, to 17, uh, but there were quite a few missed opportunities I'll talk about in a little bit of detail. But, I mean, just kind of starting off the game, there was a little bit of change in game plan than what the Patriots usually do. Um, so right off the bat, they actually um, they won the toss and chose to take the ball at the beginning of the game, which is super irregular. Um, it's I wish I had a stat or something on it, but I feel like it's 99% of the time Belichick defers all the time. Um, you know, the ability to get that back-to-back scores in the middle of the game mm. uh, really makes a huge difference, and that's how they put teams away. You know, nine times out of ten. Um, and just kind of ice the second half of the game. Um, but they end up taking it, and they just beat up on the rookie and the kind of subpar secondary that the Steelers have. Um, they just came out and hurry up. Um, I saw a stat on Pro Football Focus that uh, most times they snapped the ball. There was over 25 seconds left on the play clock. Um, <laughs> so they were just going at it, and... Um, they had some big chunk plays to Edelman, and then uh, Hogan, who I don't know if it was just blown coverage all day or if they just were overwhelmed or like a mixture of the two, but he was all over the place um, that he got his first of two scores on that first drive. And um, as you said, he had the same stat line as Julio, nine receptions, 180 yards. So doing his fair share um oddly enough is now the uh, single game postseason uh, record holder for receiving yards for the patriots uh, <laughs> who who would have thought it i wouldn't have if you asked me a year ago um but it was it was a good game all in all and the steelers kind of got um dealt a pretty cruel hand by Le'Veon bell getting hurt in I think it was the middle or the end of the first quarter, if I remember correctly. Um, he injured his groin, which, as a running back who relies on jump cuts like he does, essentially makes mm-hmm. him completely 
neutralized. I mean, he just can't play the way he plays. So they had to go to the somehow somewhat ageless D'Angelo Williams, who's playing like his 42nd year in the league, it seems like. I think he was one of the founding members. (laughs) He's part of the AFL. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, he... I like the guy, so it kind of made me happy to see him get some significant play in the postseason. But, um, you know, when you have to abandon what is pretty universally considered the best running back in the league for D'Angelo Williams on the second biggest stage, that's a huge difference. So that, um, I mean, you take away one of their top two weapons and one of the best weapons in the league. So that made a huge difference. But even before then... He was getting shut down pretty um, consistently. Uh, his He couldn't get really any chunk plays. Um, he got a couple, but every time they went up in the middle, Alan Branch just smacked him in the mouth. Uh, <laughs> he was playing out of his mind. I think he's 32 as well. I know he an age ago he was a Seahawk. Yeah, um, yeah that was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, a good six, seven years or something. He spent some years in Buffalo. Um, in the black pit that is football up there. <laughs> uh, but uh, on the Steelers' side, on kind of the first half, they just had a lot of missed opportunities. They had a bomb that would have been a touchdown. Uh, Sammy Coates dropped the ball. Um, he beat shock, shock. Eric Rowe. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I uh, I had him on my fantasy team for two weeks, and <laughs> like I knew what was going to happen before that pass hit his hands. <laughs> Uh. Just, just <laughs> hoping against hope that some that the the brick hands will, will give way. <laughs> well, he had those like two games where he put up like two hundred yards um, or two fifty yards in two weeks and a couple touchdowns. I'm like, ah, this guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's there's a reason he was deactivated for like four games for no apparent reason, a healthy scratch. <laughs> um, but missed opportunities there. Um, they had later in the game. Uh, dropped touchdown uh they had one touchdown stripped as well um and Mm -hmm. then one of the biggest ones kind of the icing on the cake in the game was when jesse james got what was originally a touchdown um when they were inside the 10 just a quick pass but it turns out he um his forearm came down like right at the goal line the ball was like right there like almost breaking the plane yeah it was like inside the one yeah, and then the Patriots D just came up big, stuffed Williams on the first play. Um, he lost like four yards on the second play, and then they just couldn't couldn't get it in. So even with a perfect opportunity, they were settling for field goals, which um, kind of summed up the entire game. But uh, probably the biggest thing, uh, at least defensively for the Patriots, was even before Bell was gone, just essentially making – Antonio Brown a non-factor and whether you love him or hate him um, I consider him essentially 1B in the NFL wide receivers I put Julio 1A and him 1B they have different play styles but there's not many wide receivers that can take over games like those two and um, just a few interesting stats Um, he was typically uh, double covered by Devin McCourty and Malcolm Butler. Um, so that's a pretty tough tandem to overcome, um, whether you love him or hate him. 
I, I think I know your personal opinion on that. Um, but when uh, he was singled up with Malcolm Butler, four targets, two receptions for 26 yards, um, and then the entire game, um, seven receptions for 77 yards, which is, for a guy like Antonio Brown, that's a shutout, essentially. Um, if he's not breaking 100 yards, if he's not getting huge chunk plays, then he's essentially a non-factor. Um, also super interesting, I found out, thanks to Pro Football Focus. Uh, this was the first week since week six that he did not have a reception over 20 yards, hmm. um, which is crazy. Um well, and that's and that was an interesting stat that I, I heard today and, and during the broadcast also was that the the Patriots haven't allowed a it was either a pass or a play over twenty yards in like weeks. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's um so that, that marries with what you said, but I I I think that's a huge part of their, their recent success, um defensively but also in the game, is that they basically didn't allow the oh they didn't allow Antonio Brown to do what he did against like the Dolphins or wherever where he caught like a little shovel pass thing out to the side and ran 60 yards down the field (laughs) yeah absolutely if um, you know people will talk a lot about how the Patriots didn't face incredibly dynamic offensive teams uh, for most of the season but um, if the way they've played is if you are going to beat them if you're going to score you are going to have to grind it out and you're going to fight for every single yard um Mm -hmm. and they at the end of the day they play a bend but don't break even you know as i just talked about they let the steelers get to the goal line and then force them to a field goal when it's first and six inches which (laughs) is a very difficult thing to do especially with Pittsburgh, who has a good offensive line, and then D'Angelo Williams, who's a big dude, um, he can usually move a pile a bit. Um, but it was it was a really good game. Um, as I kind of mentioned, it was closer than it than it appeared and than it felt um, because of like those drop touchdowns. Like it could have easily been a final, you know, end of the fourth quarter drive to win the game if the Steelers capitalized on opportunities, but. Um, every time there's a play to be made, the Patriots were making it and just kind of firing on all cylinders. Um, it was a, a really good win, and um, I very much enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, so for Hogan, because obviously he put up the exact same <laughs> numbers that Julio Jones did, mm-hmm. um, do you think that this is another one of those, like, I guess if this had been in the regular season and everyone's putting in their waiver claims on fantasy for <laughs> Hogan, do you expect to see a similar performance or is this sort of a, a you know, the, the planets aligned in the way that the Steelers were playing allowed Hogan to, to get free? And, like, do you expect to see that? Or is that or, or would this whole game plan just be thrown out the window and there'd be a totally new one and some, you know, Malcolm Mitchell will be the, the leading receiver in Super Bowl 51 like what because it seems like Belichick does this all the time where like Mm -hmm. some random guy becomes this huge name and then no one hears about him again and like who was the guy it was the running back a few years ago who was like everyone was like oh my gosh he's gonna be like this next great running back 
and then like the the week after he didn't do anything and like Jonas the next Gray. yeah like it feels like it, it will he be the next Jonas Gray no no um so kind of yes and no so I never expect Belichick to have the same game plan twice I mean that's why he is arguably <laughs> the best coach ever easily the best in his generation probably the best ever um but Chris Hogan, even though he's never made a lot of headlines, he has, um, for the entire season, he's tied for the league lead in average yards per reception. And, um, you know, he didn't consistently have big games. It just kind of depends on who they were playing. But he was always making the big play. So I don't necessarily expect him to be featured. Um, It kind of depends on what looks they give them at the end of the day. But um, he's... Essentially every game at least had one or two big plays. Um, So I I expect him to have a big impact, and he's made a really big difference with stretching the field, especially with Gronk gone and not having that massive mountain of man running down the seam. Um, (laughs) He's definitely um, made life a lot easier for Brady and a lot easier for the offense, gives Edelman a lot more room to work, and he does what he does, and smacking people in the mouth um he's one of the few wide receivers who looks like he likes um you know get, dishing out a hit and just running into some contact which <laughs> is partly why he has had many injury issues <laughs> but uh prior to this year but i guess yeah to answer your question i, I think he'll have an impact on the game um i don't know if he'll be featured but um it depends i i don't know enough about the uh, Falcons defense honestly to say if the big play is going to be something that's going to kill them or not yeah and I guess kind of the other question I had for you were you surprised at how well the Patriots defense played it's I think they went in um and they they led the league in in um scoring defense so they mm-hmm. allowed the fewest points which had been a title that Seattle's actually had for like five years before this so very like that's kind of a signal of how good they were um do you think is that surprising because it doesn't really seem like there's any I guess huge names on the defense like Malcolm Butler is probably the most well known but it kind of just seems like it's a bunch it's just a bunch of jags on there like in terms of name recognition so was that surprising especially against like some all-stars like Roethlisberger and and Antonio Brown and for whatever (laughs) time period uh Le'Veon Bell was out on the field um did that surprise you at all or was this kind of what you were expecting honestly it was kind of what I was expecting um I was very confident that they'd be able to erase Brown um I've seen Butler um essentially utterly shut down OBJ who's one of the best wide receivers in the league and most arguably the most athletic um, at least when it comes to catches uh, so for them to take away Brown, I I kind of took that as a given. Um, I expected them to double him uh, with Butler and McCourty. Um, the one X factor I thought would potentially be an issue would be Bell. Because, um, I mean, Belichick's kind of marquee is taking away your top option and making you beat him with everyone else. You know, if you're going to win, you're going to have to do it with your second, third, and fourth string guys. Um, mm. Bell isn't that, but he was the next man up so to speak um he would have been in the passing game that's usually someplace he makes a big difference um but i i wasn't too expect 
uh, wasn't too surprised. I mean, they've played incredibly well. And I was reading an article earlier today that I think sums it up. Um, there are the Patriots do have their superstars and their Pro Bowlers. They have Butler, McCordy, um, Hightower, Branch is playing out of his freaking mind. Um, Logan Ryan has played extremely well. He's going to get a huge contract, and I don't expect him to be a Patriot next season. Um, but just the article I was reading, the one little excerpt that I couldn't agree more with is that with Belichick and the Patriots, it's not about having the best 53 players. It's about having the right 53 players. Mm. And all the guys on defense... You know, they don't have the star power that, like, a Seattle defense has, but they all play so well together, and it's just it's kind of the perfect storm of um, they have all the right talent, and they just work together so well. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was... I actually, this is the game that I sort of tuned out a little bit um, <laughs> since I did, wasn't particularly invested in, in who came out of it but uh but yeah i mean it, it brady was brady um just sort of the i think the biggest thing that i kept noticing the um the announcer say is they were like why are they in zone like brady's gonna <laughs> sit there and just pick you apart in zone and like they kept playing it um i think there was one play in particular where um the safety uh for pittsburgh gay he was running like 10 yards off of, of hogan and like Hogan catches it and just runs past him, and it was like, dude, you're not in coverage. You're just running with him. He's your running partner right now. Seriously, that was pretty it, bad. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. I mean, I think yeah, it was it was definitely the better of the game. I mean, I think, um, it kind of ironically enough, the only good playoff game that I think we had was the one that I missed because I was traveling, <laughs> um, which is the, the Cowboys Packers game. Um, and even then I, I always, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to balk a little bit at someone saying a Cowboys game is good. Um, agreed. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Um, just real quick, since we talked about it right before, but I know we got to kind of wrap things up. Um, kind of the big news out of this week was Jamie Collins, well, not this week, today, um, Jamie Collins getting a huge extension from the Browns, former Patriot, um, traded away in Belichick fashion. Um, <laughs> they signed him to a four-year, $50 million contract, um, and they're saying $26 million guaranteed. Um, so that averages out to $12.5 million a year. Um, I mean, we need to see, like, because those – those guarantees um, sometimes end up being not so guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, still, this it makes him the highest paid inside linebacker because um, he just barely eclipses Luke Keekley's deal, which was five years, $61 million, um, although he had $34 million guaranteed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of since you saw him play the most um, as, a, as a Patriot since he was drafted, like, what, what do you think? I think it's a pretty big overpayment, and seeing that contract today really solidified my being okay with um, the Patriots getting rid of him because that I would not want them to have that much tied up in him. I'd much rather have Dante Hightower or Dante Hightower rather. Um, I, he's a better overall player. Uh, Collins is incredibly talented and one of the most athletically gifted defenders in the NFL by far, um, but he 
had a tendency to be pretty streaky. Um, like there was before he got traded this year, there was a game where he had, uh, I think it was like 12 solo tackles, um, a sack, an interception. Um, and I think there's a forced fumble in there as well. And like that game, he looked like one of the best defenders in years and years and years. Um, but then he had games where he would just kind of disappear. And, um, of course, some of that could be strategy or the type of coverages they're playing. You know, there's a lot of things that could go on if they, if he's shadowing a running back and they're passing the ball a lot. But he just wasn't he wasn't as consistent as he should be, and he's definitely not better than Keekly. He shouldn't be getting paid more. Um, but, I mean, I think the Browns couldn't afford to let him go. They need every little ounce of talent they can get, <laughs> um, especially on defense. Well, not especially. Basically any position. Um. <laughs> <laughs> any, any, any warm body they can get in there. <laughs> Pretty much. It was... That's too too big, though. I'm really glad the Patriots got something for him because they would not have paid that much for him. Yeah. Well, do you think... And what was the, the compensation again? I'm trying to think from a... a, 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 a uh, shoot, I can't... I'm totally blanking on the name. Uh, the, uh, the, the pick, a comp pick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a third-round comp pick. Okay, so... Okay, so actually, no, I remember because this was the whole discussion that came out at the time mm-hmm. was if it was better to trade him or let him walk and get a comp pick. But they, knowing the Browns, because your comp pick is always going to be at the back of, well, if, so actually, so if anyone's listening and doesn't know what a comp pick is, basically if a team during free agency, if teams lose more players than they sign, and those players end up signing for significant deals, the following year there's a certain amount of draft picks that they'll basically give out in, to compensate you for losing players. And mm-hmm. um, so it's a really complicated formula, and, and, but basically the highest you can go is a third round and the lowest is a seventh round. Um, however, the caveat there is they're always at the back end of the round. So no matter – so even if you trade – if you the Super Bowl team who, who who holds the third round 32nd pick would always pick before even the Browns if they got a comp pick and so that was the big discussion was mm-hmm. if it's better to trade them or take the comp pick and in this case it would be better because you're almost getting a because the Browns will be picking first in the third round so you're almost getting an entire round early and then they'll still hold their natural um their natural third round um and then i don't think they mm-hmm. lose anything and it doesn't ding them if they sign anyone so um no. so yeah, it's a smart move they also get it and, a year early too the comp picks are always a year removed so it'd be a 2018 pick right right yeah so that so there's that sort of um benefit to go in there and i was trying to look and i think the one thing I was thinking of, because I think the Browns were one of the teams that were like at the salary cap floor, so like they had to spend money. Um, really? I don't have I don't have the number. I wish I had the number available. Um, but yeah, I think that they were like they were at just a ridiculous number because they don't they don't have anyone. Yeah, anyone that's, <laughs> that's true. Like their highest paid guy is Joe Thomas, who's really good, but he's he's not. Um, your highest paid player shouldn't be your tackle. Yeah, and then second was Joe Hayden. So, 
Uh, yeah, kind of sh- uh... <laughs> <laughs> shows you where your money is. Is in a, a an elite left tackle and a very very overrated cornerback who's like constantly injured. So, well, how are they that bad then? <laughs> yeah. One can only wonder. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, there's another stat, and we can wrap it up. That the Brown there are more former Browns players on the Super Bowl teams right now than any other team yes, sir. <laughs> yeah because i know there's at least gabriel and then i know we have sheared and Dion lewis um, so there's three right there and i'm sure there's more elsewhere oh definitely those are I, two starters <laughs> <laughs> again i wonder why the browns are so bad <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a real thinker that one yeah but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, any kind of final thoughts on this weekend before we sign off? Uh, not really. I I think it was um, it was a good weekend of football. I you know the two teams I wanted to see go to the Super Bowl are going, and <laughs> um, I have a lot more to say about that. We'll cover next week. Yeah, yeah, and like we said, uh, next week will be um, primarily Super Bowl, and I think we'll have a little bit of uh, Pro Bowl chat. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably the like you you mentioned you're actually pretty excited about the um, the new skills competition. Um, yeah, that was the be. best, and they're finally bringing it back. Yeah, and you know nobody nobody cares about the Pro Bowl, um, <laughs> so anything anything that <laughs> can be added to make the game um, a little bit more um, exciting is welcome. Um, and just kind of some general thoughts. Yeah, you, know, you know this will be a weekly episode even during the off season. Um, I know we're kind of starting this right at the end of the 2017 season but we'll definitely be covering um free agency which will be starting up here soon um the draft and then just kind of around the league news um you know he's a pats fan i'm a seahawks fan but we'll we'll be doing our best to kind of cover other teams um (laughs) with as much knowledge as we have and um you know if you're if you're a listener and you're a fan of another team like you know let us know and we can definitely either reach out to you or or whatever and we can kind of see how we can work with you to to you know better understand your team but um but yeah i think that's kind of it for the the inaugural um episode of (laughs) running east to west um like i said my name is max my name is john um thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next week see you